and welcome to another episode of the Today's the Day Changemakers podcast. I am Jody Grinwald. This week, my guest is Kathy Durante. Kathy is executive director for the Ocean First Foundation. She grew up in her early years in Poughkeepsie, New York, and then made her way to Ocean County, New Jersey. Kathy's career started in the not-for-profit sector at what was then the Delaware Valley United Way. She then moved on to become the executive director for the United Way of Ocean County before taking a seat on the other side of the not-for-profit, or as I say, for impact table, as executive director for the Ocean First Foundation, where she has worked for the last 18 years. Kathy shares how she has had so many who have helped support her as she has grown along her career path, and now how she is paying it forward and helping so many others along theirs. Through her work, she is not only able to help fund organizations through the Ocean First Foundation, but she also takes the time to share her knowledge and connections so that she can help make a greater community impact. Kathy also shares about the importance of taking risks and being ready for when opportunities present themselves. She's a recipient of several awards, including the Girl Scouts of the Jersey Shores Women of Distinction Award and Big Brothers Big Sisters of Ocean County's Humanitarian Award. Please subscribe to the Today is the Day Changemakers YouTube channel. Stream this podcast on all streaming sites. Like us on Facebook and Instagram at Today is the Day Live It. I am also the CEO and co-founder of the Zach G. Aplorda Kids Foundation, a not-for-profit organization that is making a difference in the lives of children with financial barriers who are looking for an ongoing creative connection through the performing arts. Please visit applaudourkids.org for more information. Have a great week, everyone. everybody and welcome to another episode of the Today is the Day Changemakers podcast. Every week I have the opportunity to introduce uh, our guest to our audience and these guests are incredible. They're changemakers doing incredible work within their communities and today I have Kathy Durante with me. Hi Kathy, how are you? Tony, how are you? I'm good, I'm good. I'm so glad you're here with me today. Thanks so much. Happy to be here on such an amazing day. I know, I know. The sun is shining today, so it's a great day to record here. It's great. So I'm just going to read, as I always do, the bios of these incredible change makers, and I never want to leave anything out. So Kathy Durante is the executive director and secretary of the board of Ocean First Foundation based in Toms River. She's held this post since 2003 and is one of the organization's founding directors. Ocean First Foundation is the first foundation in the nation to be established by a bank as part of an initial public offering. And since its inception, the foundation has invested more than $42 million in the community and programs with more than 8,300 grants awarded to hundreds of nonprofits and schools throughout central and southern New Jersey. Kathy manages the day-to-day operation and oversees all aspects of the proposal submission and review processes, chairing the foundation's major grant committee, which is charged with recommending grants to the foundation's board for consideration. And under Kathy's leadership, the foundation launched new initiatives and partnerships focused on meeting the needs of the local community. And prior to joining Ocean First, Kathy served as the executive director of the United Way of Ocean County, leading their community building efforts, is the recipient of the Girl Scouts of the Jersey Shores Women of Distinction Award, Big Brothers Big Sisters of Ocean County's Humanitarian Award, and was named Women's Advocate of the Year by Ocean County's Advisory Commission on the Status of Women. Oh my goodness, Kathy, that's incredible. And there was more. I left out some of the things that you have in here. You just took me down memory lane. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. And I got to learn some things too, because I did not know about the United Way. That was new when I was reading your your bio, because I know even before we started recording, we were talking about the length of time you've been at Ocean First. So I didn't know what you did before Ocean First. That's that's 
where I started. I actually started at the Delaware, what was then the Delaware Valley United Way, which has become the Greater Mercer United Way, I think it's called now. So, uh, you know, I started there and then I moved down to Ocean County when I was engaged and uh, planning to get married. My husband's from this area. And that's kind of how I made my way to the shore. Wow. All right. So, yeah, that's a, that's a good segue to go back a little bit. We'll take you a little bit more further back on memory lane. So where did you grow up? I actually grew up, well, half of my um, my uh, young years were spent in Poughkeepsie, New York. I lived right right outside Vassar College. And then um, in my, my teen years, we moved to New Jersey. I grew up in Hamilton, graduated from Nottingham High School there. And, um, you know, from there, I went on to Rutgers. Wow. Wow. So that, 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 that was your, your path. That's great. And I, I love Mercer County. Mercer County is a great county. I've worked in Robbinsville for seven and a half years for the American Heart Association. Truly great. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a great place to grow up. So when you, you were younger, did you think that you would have this type of career in, in banking? Uh, no. And I still don't have a career in banking per se. If you ask me any banking related questions, I'm going to give you, um, the best people that I know at the bank that can get those answers <laughs> for you. Um, but no, I didn't, I didn't necessarily see myself doing this. I think I probably in, in my experience at Rutgers, I thought I would graduate and go to law school, but at some point I think I decided I had enough school and I wanted to take a break. And during that break, I took a job at the Delaware Valley United way and I just enjoyed it. And, um, you know, kind of from there, I, I stayed within that, that philanthropic sector. Right. And isn't it, it's, it's incredible, right? Cause I'm on the, on the nonprofit side myself. So it's when you're, when you're going to organizations for dollars and seeing it from that view. And so you were at the United Way, most likely going for, for, you know, to organizations for profits for, for dollars. Now you sit on and have since 2003, which congratulations to you. That's amazing. Um, have now been helping other organizations to expand their reach by providing them with dollars through the through the foundation. So tell us a little bit about sitting on both sides of the table. It's, it's really a great perspective to have because I so appreciate how challenging it can be to raise money. And even way back when, I mean, the model of United Way back then was employee-based campaigns, and that's evolved a lot since, you know, um, with all the technology and changes that they've had. But I just have so much respect, respect for people that have to do the fundraising because it, it, it's difficult work. Um, you know, you have to be mission focused. You have to have your eyes on, you know, building connections, um, identifying good partners. It's just, it, it's super, it's super rewarding, but it is challenging. And, um, you know, you're subject to, um, you know, every year there, there could be something different. I mean, obviously this past year has presented everybody with the, the challenge of COVID. But if I go back over time, you know, there were different spots where there were other things. 9-11 was one of them. Uh, way back in the United Way days, there were challenges at the United Way of America that impacted our, our work. So there's always kind of um, over time been different events or things that have happened that um, have kind of challenged um, everyone to, to, to rethink how they how they fundraise, how they make those connections, how they keep connections, how they um, build their partnerships in the community, even in, even in like the toughest and worst of times. Yeah, absolutely. So, so explain to us a little bit about your role with the organization. What is a day in the life of Kathy Durante at Ocean First Foundation? 
Well, it really depends on the day. And what I what I really, really love about this this role is that every day is different, right? So, you know, um, in a in a pre-COVID year, you know, we um, got to spend so much time out in the field with partners and kind of getting out there and connecting with people. And last year was so different where we were kind of, um, you know, forced to, to kind of keep things close uh, close to home, um, limited, limited working in the office and things like that. But, um, you know, every day is different. Um, you know, this, this morning I, I got to talk to some folks about uh, lessons learned uh, uh, within philanthropy on the banking side from, you know, fund, funding and working with partners during the pandemic. And next week I'll be, you know, on the road out visiting partners in, I think I'm in South Jersey. And then, you know, we're, in, it, we're all over the place. You know, our, our footprint has changed so much. Mm -hmm. um, that's been a big part of it is learning the new communities where we operate as, as Ocean First Bank has really grown and prospered over time. Um, and through some acquisitions, our, our footprint has um, become so much bigger. We started out in Ocean and Monmouth County, but now we're in uh, Atlantic, Cape, Cumberland, Gloucester, Monmouth Ocean. I mean, they have offices in Philadelphia and New York. So it's learning, um, you know, who, who are the, the, the good organizations doing awesome work in, in those new areas and making those connections. And um, it, it's, just, it's just fun to do something different every day. No, no, it's I, I, exactly. I get I'd get bored too doing the same thing over and over again. It's so nice to be able to have a little bit of uh, different things happening each and every day. But there's always a fire. I think in nonprofit in the nonprofit world, there's always right. I, you know that there's always a fire going on. There's always something, but you know, with, luckily with the work that we do, I, I always say when even when we're stressing about things that have timelines and deadlines and things that have to happen, we just need to pause and like remember we're trying to do good and help people. So if you just, you know, have patience with yourself and those around you and just keep that in the frame of mind, um, I, I think we're all better for it. Absolutely. So what would you say your favorite part of your job is, your current position there? For, since you're, uh, right. I, work, I work with awesome people. Um, you know, I love the team that I work with, both, you know, right at the foundation and also throughout the bank. But, you know, favorite part is, is just being out there and getting to meet so many amazing organizations that are doing, like, awesome stuff. A lot of times with, you know, big challenges in front of them and getting to know them and um, the work that they do and and the, the great ideas that they have on, like, how things can be better for people. Um, every day that you, you get to do that, I think, is, is just, like, a great day. So being, being out there is the best. We work with, so like, such a range of organizations, too. Um, you know, we work with... Um, you know, this year we've got summer camp back on track, right? So we're working with organizations that provide summer camp scholarships to kids. We have our Home Runs for Heroes partnership with the Blue Claws that's in Town Square Media that is helping military and veteran charities. Uh, we do grants for fire and first aid squads. So, you know, every day is a little bit different depending upon, you know, what we're working on at the time. So if I'm a nonprofit listening right now thinking, oh, I really want to talk to Kathy, right? Because that's, that's what we do as nonprofits, right? We really want to hear more about what would you suggest? What are the pillars that they really need to fall into? And what do you suggest to those nonprofits who might say, oh, I wonder if Ocean First Foundation would be interested in, in being a part of what we're doing? So if you're an organization that's never worked with us, I mean, we are easy peasy. We're a three-person office. Uh, the best thing you can do is pick up the phone, right? Just call us, talk to me, tell me what you're doing. Um, you know, we can tell you if you're a great fit or a good fit. Um, the, the, 
the primary focus areas for us are housing, youth development and education, uh, improving health and wellness, and improving the quality of life in the communities that we serve. But beyond that, you know, we work with arts and cultural organizations, and we're always open to ideas, right? If somebody has a great idea that we've missed or another organization has missed, we want to hear about it. So um, we're, not, um, we're not a super huge organization, our foundation. There's three of us on the staff team, and we have a board of about 20 people. Um, so we're super easily accessible. It's not too tough to reach us. And um, a conversation, just like, a, like we're having right now, a simple conversation is uh, the best way to, to, to begin. And I, and I have to say, and I, and I really want to say this to you because it's important, uh, you know, gratitude is so important. And I, I am grateful for our very first conversation. You know, everybody um, who listens to this podcast knows that I'm also the CEO and co-founder of Plotter Kids. And you sat down with me and we had a conversation and, and you said, well, we'll keep an eye on you. And I had no idea what that meant, but you really did. So for anybody listening, when you, you know, when you're going to, to talk to and start building a relationship with a potential funder, build a relationship, build rapport make sure that if they say they're watching they're watching and it's such a great story because your organization and and because you believed in us ha has grown over the last three years exponentially so I you know we thank you the kids in our program thank you but I want others to know that when somebody tells you they're watching you most of the times they really are watching you because you don't you don't necessarily believe that when you hear them say that yeah, you know, we get approached throughout the year. There's a, a lot of newer organizations that are just much like you were trying to get, you know, get that momentum going. And um, I always say sometimes it's just a matter of, of the timing being, you know, the, the, the right timing, uh, the right project, the right idea, the right program that's really going to fit well with what we do. And, um, you know, the, the other part of it is like everything doesn't necessarily on our side have to be about just getting the grant. I am happy to talk to anybody about, um, you know, the nonprofit community that I've grown to know or the philanthropic community that I know help make connections for people. So um, even if, if it's a scenario where, you know, you're out of cycle and we've already completed a round of something, I'm happy to chat with somebody and say, hey, you might want to try to reach this one or, or that one. And that's important, too, because um, the connections happen over time. They don't happen like instantly. Not at all. And I think that's what in our first conversation that was, I remember when we first started, I was taking my pad and pen around everywhere. Whoever would talk to me to give me any insight and was willing, I was taking notes and, and I would go and follow through. So I, I, I believe you introduced me to some people and we had a great conversation. You asked me some, the other thing too, is that if you're it, new as a nonprofit, you need to talk to people who have been connected to nonprofits and have seen a lot of things so you can get some education. We don't know everything, especially when you're starting something from scratch. You, you had brought some ideas and thoughts to me during that conversation that I remember, and it's so valuable to listen, you know, to just go with your pad and your pen and old fashioned way and take notes. For sure. I do the same thing when I go to meetings with other philanthropic organizations and, and groups doing similar work to us in New Jersey. Like I'm constantly jotting down like, oh, that's a great way to approach this or something to think about, or I need to reconnect with that person because they're doing something that um, is really interesting or, you know, we might be interested in working together on. I mean, a lot of it is just like keeping your ears open, listening, and then like drawing those connections where you can. Is there a story that that stands out to you at all any in, in, in the work that you've done that just kind of touched you like something that's been because you've been connected to so many nonprofits. Is there anything that you can think of that just stands out? 
Oh gosh, I mean, there's so there's so many stories. Again, like when I think about the different the different programs that we do, you know, we we it, it could be as simple as um, a good great example. I think this year was we were approached by an organization called Operation Warm, and uh, they were looking for a sponsorship to purchase warm winter coats for kids, knowing that so many families because of COVID were facing really challenging economic times, might not be able to provide that warm coat for their kids. And I took that call and I talked to the person and I thought, you know, more than just us writing a check for, um, for them to be able to buy some coats, there, there's more we can do because we have connections. So I reached out to like six other uh, groups that I knew had resources and, and talked to them about what they were trying to accomplish. We all ended up working together. We put in some money and um, by partnering with Fulfill, um, the former Food Bank Mamas in Ocean County, and a couple other organizations, you know, we were able to hand out thousands of coats to kids that otherwise might not have had that. And I was fortunate to be there one of the days when um, it was actually held at Fulfill. And, you know, the cars would drive up. Fulfill would give them, like, a, a, a nice box of food to, to get them through. Um, and then the kids all got to pick out their own coat, you know, what color do you want, and all that kind of stuff. So just, you know, like, the smiles on the kids, the families being you know, so appreciative. It's just sometimes the simple gestures. I think sometimes in philanthropy, uh, we can overthink things too much. You know, you can plan and you can um, bring in a consultant. Like we do all these kinds of things, but sometimes it's just so simple. Like kids need warm coats, buy coats, give to kids. And, and, and I think people latch on to those ideas, too, or, you know, the, the partners that we had, they were all awesome and amazing. I hope we get to do it again this year. Um, we, re we did it once in uh, Central Jersey, and then from that, a couple of people that were involved with it from South Jersey, they replicated it again toward the end of the winter and did it in South Jersey. So, you know, it, it was, again, like a simple phone call with them asking me for a sponsorship turned into, like, a much bigger opportunity for all of us to help kids. Can't even imagine the calls you were getting in the height of the pandemic. It, it had to be just overwhelming. And that story that you just said it set, shared is incredible because I, I personally think when organizations come together, they can do better, even better things, more things, have a better um, exposure in the community. Do you know create to create a, a bigger and better, more um, connected community when organizations come together and share their expertise and are able to share funding and all of those other things. But um, during the pandemic, I can't even imagine how many calls you had received in general, just just towards the ocean first for funding and for things. What what were you, what did you have to do, and how did you pivot as an organization? I mean, we learned a lot from the Sandy experience, as a lot of the the nonprofits and and uh, New Jersey um, philanthropic community did. So you know, we kind of um, having had that experience, knew a little bit about what we wanted to do, where we wanted to go, and, and how we needed to go forward. And I have to say, overwhelmingly, like I work for a fantastic board of directors. The the flexibility that um, they have, and and the kind of quick pivots that they were able to do, and um, just kind of trusting in knowing in from that Sandy experience that, um, you know, making some simple shifts would mean a lot for folks. So, you know, we did some preemptive grant making. We just reached out to a few organizations and said, you know, you don't have to ask us. We just want to give this to you right away because we know you're going to need it. And then we, you know, we obviously, we also set up a, a separate funding stream for some targeted COVID grants. But, um, you know, flexibility and just kind of being understanding with everyone 
uh, we were we had already approved all of our summer camp grants. We were kind of already committed to a lot of what we call good neighbor grants, some of which are for special events and some are of, of which are for program purposes. And when groups said, hey, you know, this is our scenario, we just said we're flexible. Just send me an email so I know what you want to do. Um, assuming it, you know, it wasn't, you know, far off the mark, which I can't think of anybody that was far off the mark because their mission is their mission. You know, we just said this is the right thing to do and go forth and do what you need to do. And we'll come back later and, and uh, figure out how you spent that grant. That's, that's like the most important thing in, in those kinds of scenarios is just be flexible and listen to, to what everybody needs. Absolutely. No, that's great. Thank you. So we've talked a, lot, a little bit about the foundation, but I also want to share, you know, have you share a little bit about Ocean First on, you know, as well. And and like we said before, a couple of times, you've been there for, for a while now. So, you know, kind of two questions. Tell us a little bit more about Ocean First and then what what keeps you there? Um, so if anybody doesn't know, like our story is a little bit unique. We, we Ocean First, that is, um, were started when the bank went public in 1996. And it was the desire of the board of directors at the time and the leadership that was that was there, John Garbarino being a president and CEO at the time. Um, they knew that they had a unique opportunity in that IPO to really um, uh, create this foundation that would really just solidify the commitment that they all, always had in the community, but just kind of make it permanent. And um, there was about 14 and a half, I'm sorry, 13 and a half million dollars in stock that was set aside. Um, it's all ocean for stock that funds the work that we do. And what's really amazing is that initial investment of about 13 and a half million dollars in, in ocean for stock, uh, that's enabled us to award over $42 million in grants to organizations. It's because the ocean first bank team does such amazing work and they've grown and prospered throughout the years. Um, we we, we um, fund our work with dividends from the, the shares that we hold. Um, so just, you know, that, that kind of synergy that's there, you know, the bank does amazing good work in the community as well. Um, we benefit from that and we can invest it back into the community. So it, it's a great um, model. And we know now that, you know, uh, lots of others have followed us. Um, there's, there's probably, I think we looked at it as, um, a few years ago, um, like the path of other organizations that, that followed the model that we did. And it, they literally held, hold hundreds and hundreds of million dollars in assets. And it was just started with this conversation and this idea at Ocean First Bank, which, you know, is, it's just an amazing institution. It's been around for more than 100 years. It was started right in Point Pleasant, so it's local. Um, the, the, the people that work there are fantastic. They're community-minded. They're connected. And... Um, you know, we just feel like blessed to be able to work with them every day. It's, it's really like a great, a great partnership for us. Great. And so what, so what has kept you there for, uh, what, what did we say, 18 years of we right now? It'll be 18 years this fall. I always, I always remember the, the day because I think I accepted the position and like two weeks later, I found out that I was expecting my second child and I was like, oh gosh, that's rough. <laughs> I have to go back and tell them. I might need to take a maternity leave right after I start. But again, like they're awesome. They're, you know, there's never like, um, you know, a, a challenge there. It's like, yeah, do what you have to do. The environment here is one where you're supported in the work that you want to do. You're trusted in the work that you do. And, um, you know, that they, they really are a fantastic uh, group to work with. That's what keeps me here. The, the people that I get to work with every day, Lisa and Steph, if, if um, 
anyone's listening and ever, you know, on the communications and marketing side, Steph Toll takes care of that for us. And Lisa is kind of like our back office person who does everything else behind the scenes to make it all work. You know, they're awesome people to work with. So, you know, we, we all, we all have fun every day, right? You have to keep it fun. Sometimes we deal with groups that have um, problems and this year especially has been so daunting and you just got to keep the, the fun and the laughter and, and, the, and the eyes on the, the mission that we're trying to help people. Um, and we're trying to help organizations that help people. That, that's what's most important. Uh, and it's so true. And it's nice when you have, uh, you know, more of that servant leadership, you know, mindset too, as a leader in the leaders in the community, you get a lot more from your employees when you have that support and it's all of us together, uh, you know, going after those goals. So that, that's great. It is. And the, the bank, the bank, even in the, in the last couple of years has really kind of taken, you know, great steps forward. Um, you know, volunteerism has become, um, you know, a, a more prominent, uh, you know, um, activity within the bank. They created a Wavemaker Committee, which is now um, recruiting bank employees to, to work with the organizations uh, that we work with on volunteer projects, you know, sending groups of people out into the community to, you know, help. Again, it's sometimes it's not just about like writing the grant check, but we have talented, talented people at the bank that serve in all kinds of roles uh, on boards of uh, nonprofits that, you know, they've got great skill sets and and the bank is happy to share that, and they actually, you know, formalize a, a policy that every employee um, can can do eight hours of paid volunteer time off every year. So, you know, they're out there and they're looking for those opportunities to serve. That's great. I think there's, you know, there's something to be said about um, bartering, right? Knowledge bartering is what I call it. When you know you have you have a great team that have might have some knowledge, and there's organizations out there that you you fund, but there's other organizations, small to mid-sized companies that can't write those checks, and but they have a lot of expertise and they can share their knowledge in another way, other ways, and by doing so, they could actually help the other organization raise money. So we we need to do a little. You know, my thought process is we need to do more of that. For sure, for sure. If they're all everyone has something to contribute. Uh, sometimes it's, it's a, a, a check or cash, and sometimes that's not it. <laughs> exactly. Have that, have that conversation and figure out what it is. So at this juncture, right, where we're kind of now heading into this place where everything's starting to open up, things are changing. Thank goodness we're heading in a much better direction. What advice right now do you have? And I feel like the advice could change week to week, as we know, in this, in this environment. But what do you have for the not-for-profit community right now? Um, listen, I, I, I think everybody that does that, that kind of work, they, they're mission focused, right? They know their jobs better than I do. I, I, you know, get exposed to just a little bit of what they do when they are seeking, you know, special resources from us, or I can help them with something. But these are people that are experts in their field. They know their stuff. So, you know, advice wise, I just think the biggest thing this year is just you know, continue to take care of each other, right? Spend time making sure that you don't burn out because because of the feverish pace of the last year and the work that everyone has had to do, I think everybody just needs to be uh, kind to themselves and others, pause and have patience when you need to. Um, but other than that, you know, what you, what you do, I know what you do from, from chatting with you just a little bit, but if I scratch the surface, I'm sure you're doing so much more you're an expert in your field, right? So I think we need to support organizations and then move aside and let them do the work that they do. That, that's, you know, really important to me um, to be supported, but not, not 
We don't want to be all up in your business. You guys are the pros. <laughs> I like that. I like the way you put that. And speaking of which, right, I, I totally agree with you. This has been a very stressful, I don't know, it feels like 10 years, but it's what, 18 months, if, even if it's that at this point. And so um, there's so much pressure and stress on hitting goals and, and reaching, reaching goals on the nonprofit side. And, and it has been, uh, you know, abundant with, unfortunately, job loss. And now that people are starting to be rehired, which is uh, fabulous. But what are some of the things that you do yourself to de-stress, right? Because I can't imagine, you know, as much as it is on this side, the ones who are looking for funding, the ones who are the funders trying to help, you were in that same situation of consistently on the go. So what, what are some of the things you like to do to de-stress and kind of unwind? Um, well, I have two kids. So, you know, sometimes they help me to stress and sometimes they add to my stress. <laughs> but, um, you know. Again, it's just like being patient. A lot of time was spent indoors this year, so I probably cooked more family food than I ever did before. Um, being outside is, I think, fresh air, sunshine, all important. I know I'm looking forward this summer to just kind of getting outside, and I finally got to take a vacation a couple of weeks ago. You know, like for everybody that hasn't had like that long mental break, highly recommended. If you have vacation days on the book, now's the time to, to tap into those and just it's completely disconnect for like, a, you know, a period of time if you can. I know everybody doesn't have that opportunity, but if you can do it, um, you know, it, 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 it is rejuvenating. If you can't do it, you just got to find um, those little moments of time during the day where you have the opportunity. It, it's just that you got to stay, you got to keep yourself charged up. It, it's hard work that a lot of groups do. It's incredibly important, and I know a lot of organizations are really struggling to uh, maintain their staffing, like many other organizations are right now, um, to hire, keep, keep, get people hired back, and you know, to, to keep keep uh, the levels of staffing that they need in place for programs. Yeah, it's very, very true. Trying to, to before, unfortunately, they had the sad conversations. Now everybody's struggling to get people back quick enough, with, because things are starting to open back up. What are you seeing right now in the way of in person and virtual? Uh, you know, what what have you been seeing in, in, with events? Um, it, you know, I think it's it's a mix. I think there there's a group that you know there's a lot of groups that are ready to kind of get back to doing some of the the fundraising events that they were doing. I've seen a lot of stuff happening outdoors, you know, where people can kind of maybe feel a little bit um, easier about bringing larger groups of people together. Uh, golf outings are super popular again, I think, right? I think a lot of groups are playing a golf outing, a walk, a run, whatever that might look like. But I'm seeing a mix. I know in um, summer camp, which we just did a round of grants there, there's still um, some groups that are doing virtual. Some are doing in person. I think, you know, some are being flexible again to like offer to families what they need if they if they're not ready for the in-person, they're still doing that, that uh, virtual option for them. So um, it, it's really it's really a mix, I think. I, I, hopefully as the year goes on and the summer goes on a little bit better, if, if everything continues in the right direction, you know, um, people will feel more, more comfortable to get back to doing some of that, that uh, work that they used to do in person. I know we're, we're looking forward to it. We are I'm kind of letting a, you know something out of bed here, but we're celebrating our 25th anniversary this year, which is amazing. And um, we hope to be able to um, celebrate that with all of the awesome partners that we've worked with over the years, in um, in some way. So whether it hope you know hopefully we could do something in person, but I just know that um, there's there's um, a desire to try to bring people together and reconnect. 
when you attended our summer camp uh, presentation a couple weeks ago, it's just like part of it was people just seeing each other for the first time in a really long time. Yeah. I'm like, you know, is that you behind that mask? And, you know, <laughs> haven't seen you in a while. It, it just like feels good, right? Even if you have the mask on, it just feels good to see people. So. Oh, absolutely. Because that connection and that energy, you can't get that through Zoom. It, very little, you know, it's limited. You, you, we try to all feel it, but it's not the same as when you're when you come together. And you mentioned golf outings. I remember back way back when 2012, I'm going back to now, when I left the Heart Association, they were reevaluating whether golf outings were even going to continue for them because people were getting tired. Now I'm seeing everybody out and about for the golf outings. There's like rejuvenated now golf outings. Yeah, for sure. If, if you can get outside and help a great cause, I think it's like it's for this year. It's it's a great win. Oh, absolutely. And we're we're in that space of you know for Plotter Kids. Do we have our gala inside? Do we do virtual again next next? You know, because it's going to be in the fall, and you just don't know, right? We're all kind of every every week is a new story. So we're just kind of riding the wave. Flexible, flexible, and just kind of roll with it when you, when you. You know, when you're able to make that decision, I think people will people will follow you, and they're going to want to support you either way that they can. You know, it, it's just I think everybody's waiting for like that extra certainty that you know we're good. Right. Exactly. <laughs> want to take a step back. I know I don't want to take a step back because I have two kids in school, and um, you know, you ju you just want to help all these young kids get back to where they were. That to me has got to be like one of the biggest challenges ahead for so many, it's whether it's, you know, just getting to school or the mental health challenges that kids are facing now and re-engaging them and in, you know, face-to-face -face activities. That's, that's just you know, such a, a, a huge priority at the moment. Yeah, I mean, before the pandemic, everybody, the, the kids were already in their phones, right? And then during the pandemic, that was like all they had. And now they have to, it's almost like, re-education of how to be social again now that people are starting to get out yeah which is i mean that's why the work that you do is so important right you're reaching kids during the pandemic you were still there for them um but it's giving them those opportunities to be creative or to express themselves and just like release some of it it's oh, yeah. just really important work absolutely we were doing it via zoom while we had to but they were coming on with their parents which was even which was really kind of funny when you know we had a hip-hop dance party class with kids and parents so it was it was just you do we did what we had to do we all did during the pandemic now now we're moving forward but i i wanted to ask you because this is something i listened i don't know if you've ever heard of simon sinek but simon sinek had put something out about nonprofits and how Nonprofits should be called for impact organizations. And I've been on this bandwagon because nonprofits are the only sector that talks about what they're not. And I'm sure you know this. When you hear somebody in nonprofits calling you, you and your mind already have to be thinking, well, obviously they're going to want possibly want some funding. But if you're, you know, in a, a for impact organization, I just it to me personally, and I want to get your opinion on this, just sounds like there's just so much goodness coming from that. And and that it's making a difference as opposed to nonprofits. So what are your thoughts on that? I, I mean, I think it's, it's a great a great direction to be heading in. I think the mind, the pe people have um, you know, different mindsets about what, what nonprofit means, but I think, um, you know, they're doing such important work. Like impact, yes, they should be impact, exclamation point, exclamation point. Like that that's what it's really about. Um, there's, there's, I think there's just mindsets that need to be changed so people think about not not-for-profit work differently. 
Um, it doesn't mean that you should be, um, you know, paid less or under-resourced or, you know, bare bones and looking to, you know, just do everything as, um, as, as, uh, as easily as you can. It's just like the work, the challenges that nonprofits are trying to face, you know, are, are huge society problems and um, it, it, on, on that side of it. And then there's a whole other side of it, the groups that are doing impactful work around arts, culture, you know, like the stuff that enriches us and that, that kind of mindset that folks have of, of that um, nonprofits are less than is, is just ridiculous at this point. Like it, the sector, I think, has done so much work around this. And there's a lot of like thinkers, like the one that you mentioned, that are trying to just keep shifting that mindset. Um, you know, the, the his name right now, but um, he does the great posts all the time on um, Vu, right? I don't know if you're familiar with Vu's yes. posts. Sure. Never had ever. I mean, like that's the kind of like you know stuff that people need to just keep thinking about, read it, learn it. Uh, you know, just provoke some thought there. I always read his stuff and I let it sit and think, and you know, okay, am I doing any of that? I better fix that. You know, like like you got to think about it. Absolutely. And, um, you're 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 spot on. Impact. <laughs> Exclamation, exclamation. I like that. I think I'm going to have to change that now. I add the exclamations to it. Yeah, because like the first two years of, of starting Employer Kids, we weren't taking salaries, right? But you started to feel like you were the CEO of the lemonade stand because everybody would say, oh, that's so sweet. That's so nice what you're doing. But they had no idea the amount of hours and, and, and the thought process behind it and the, you know, getting yourself educated enough to even go to launch and, and start putting yourself out there. And so I think that whether you're the, what I call the bigger box nonprofits or the, or, or someone who's starting, it's, it's changing that mindset and shifting of, I'm not a nonprofit. We have to make profit. We all need to make money. We can't do everything for free. And you and I both know, you know, in many cases, funding is when it comes to, you know, admin costs, that's hard to be, it's hard for, to get that covered within from funders. But nonprofit professionals cannot work for free. And that's something that, you know, I think that's really important for funders. And I know you know this. I know you totally do know this. But it's it's definitely an important part of what we do. Well, we can't do it. We can't do the work without the funding. It's really hard when you see um, organizations um, that have, um, you know, uh, um, uh, leadership in places like Chief Cook, Bottle Washer, and everything else that's falling on like a, you know, a, a very small number of folks. Sometimes it's even just one if it's like a new, a new, uh, a newer organization. But that's why boards are there. Like boards are responsible, um, you know, to support that that other side of the equation. And you know, your partners in it together. And um, if you've got a strong board, you know, uh, you know the, the value that they add, right? It's usually when maybe things aren't going uh, as well as they could, that then, you know, a lot is falling on, on the person that holds the paid position. Um, but, you know, if, it, if it's great, it's, it's a partnership of everybody working together and it's balanced and everybody knows what the roles are. There's clear lines of communication. They're supporting each other. Like that's, that's where you want to get. And there's so many groups like the Center for Nonprofits in New Jersey that do, um, awesome stuff, you know, to, to support nonprofits and, you know, make, make them better uh, by providing free training and educational workshops and conferences and Zooms and all that other kind of stuff we've been doing over the past year. Um, you know, there, there's experts that can, that can help. So, you know, for people that are in that role and kind of feeling like they're like, what, what, where do I go with this? I think 
you just have to identify those resources and try to tap into them, um, have some conversations with people that, you know, can have done it or could help you get through it and, and kind of help you guide yourself um, in, in the forward direction. Absolutely. And I think that's the key is it's, it's just coming from a place of asking somebody to help you by just having a meeting and asking them to share some of their expertise. And, and those who have been there before, right? So that's that's the key is finding those who are doing exactly what you wanna be doing, who have been there before and are succeeding and you know, and, and able to expand their reach in the community. So I think that's really great advice. What would you say is your biggest success in your career? Biggest success in my career? Um, I just kind of look at the whole thing as like, you know, uh, having this amazing opportunity to help organizations help others. Um, being a part of something that was um, groundbreaking and, and visionary on the part of, you know, the leadership of the organization. Um, you know, there, there's so many, like, awesome, like the story about the coast and Operation Warm. There's just so many awesome examples, right? So I am lucky that I get, when I go out on the road, I get to see amazing, amazing things. Um, you know, people will come up to me at scholarship dinners, at parents that are like, you know, you have no idea how important this scholarship is to my, my son, my daughter. Um, you know, it, it, it's not like you're paying for their whole college tuition, but sometimes it's like the confidence that that student needed, um, you know, as they're kind of moving on to their next chapter, that, they, that they've got that. Or they'll tell you, I'm a first generation, I'm first in my family to go to college. Awesomeness, right? So, you know, it's just, it's all the time. It's not, I can't put my finger on one amazing, you know, one amazing experience because there's so many amazing experiences. But I think it's just being a part of, if, if I had to answer, it's just being part of this, this organization that had a, a vision and a great idea. And now not just within our organization, but, you know, across, you know, the United States, there are others that have followed our model and other hundreds of millions of dollars that are funding this work. Um, with that little idea that started at Ocean First Bank. Yeah, all it takes is an idea and somebody that's going to take the first step to make it happen. And then, then it just kind of rolls from there. And, and Kathy, your energy is fabulous because of the fact that you really do care about the community and you and you love seeing all the work that, that you're able, the impact you're having. And, and we know that it's the foundation that funds it, but you are the one who's, you know, pushing it forward. So, you know, kudos to you and the work that you do and the fact that you give your heart to all that you do. It's not everybody who does that. So that's, that's you know, you and, and the specialness that you bring to your role. Uh, what would you say is, a challenge you had. Was there any challenges that you had to overcome in your role? Um, I mean, early on, a lot of the challenges were just kind of creating the systems because everything was new, right? So it's setting up the systems that will support your work going forward. Um, you know, I know my weak spots and um, technology is probably one of them. You know, so again, like when I, when it's not my area of expertise, I know who to call and I can rely on a lot of people uh, within the Ocean Bird Bank side, you know, to help get through some of that. But, um, you know, the, 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 the challenges, uh, the, the other challenges that come to mind are just kind of getting to know um, new footprints, right? So because we were so focused on Ocean and Mama for so long, I, you know, I, I have a, a good understanding of, you know, who are the people, who are the organizations that are out there doing the work. But when we went to South Jersey, that was a whole new um, community for me to learn. And I didn't necessarily think like, you know, we could, you know, make a few grants and, and you know, 
uh, get started, but you know, it really is like you have to spend time there. You have to get to know the people. Uh, now we're heading toward, you know, um, Philadelphia. So again, it's like starting to learn, you know, what are, what are the needs of the people in that area? Who are the organizations doing the great work in that area? Who are the leaders that I need to connect with and meet, you know, to, to talk about like what works and what doesn't work, uh, where they are. So it, it's just a, a learning curve all the time. I remember when I, because I was living in Ocean County and then I had gotten the role at uh, Heart Association. They said, okay, you're going to run the Mercer County portion. And I'm like, where is Mercer County? Like, because I was not originally from New Jersey. So here I was, you know, checking with, you know, there was no GPS back then in 2005 when I started there. So I do know what it's like. Now at least we have that. But I know what it's like to go try to learn a whole brand new area. And you feel like, if, you know, I felt like a fish out of water, you know, just trying to figure it all out. So yeah, it's all about making those connections and meeting the, the movers and the shakers in the area to try to just continue to uh, meet the right people. So that's that it also can be fun, right? It's also kind of fun to meet some new people. I Fun. When I first started, um, you know, going down to South Jersey, um, a true confession, like I really never drove some of those back roads in Jersey down in, in the southern area. Absolutely gorgeous. Like now when we head to South Jersey, um, you know, I, I know we're like, there are all these great blueberry farms and farm stands and like where all that New Jersey produce is grown. You can pull over and like get fresh stuff on your way. <laughs> it's like awesome side bonus that, uh, you know, you get to see all these beautiful places and you just you didn't even you, you didn't even know some of them were there if they're just treasures so they are it's it is a gift you know in our roles that we have the opportunity because i would have never you know if you're sitting in an office somewhere and you don't have to have to go and travel why would you go you know if you don't live in that area but for for us it's nice when you can travel the state and get to see some of these great spots that you would never be introduced to so i'm going to ask you the question i ask every one of my guests that I have on is the last question of the interview. And it's if you knew then, and this could be then any time in your life, what you know now, what would that be? What would you tell your younger self? Uh, probably just uh, take more chances. Don't be too conservative. Um, be, a, be a bigger risk taker, uh, whether it's philanthropy or just other stuff in life. Um, you know, Sometimes you have to jump in a little bit and it might not work out to your advantage or, you know, be everything you thought it was. But if you don't do that, you don't, you don't really get anywhere. You're not going to learn anything new. You're not going to discover anything new. I still remember um, when I was back at, um, at United Way, my first job, and um, they had um, let my boss go, which was very, you know, jarring. Um, they let him go. And I remember talking, she was, she was like a, you know, one of the, women leaders in Ocean County, her name was Connie, and she was like one of the first female stockbrokers in, in Ocean County. And uh, other people were, you know, you know, being chatted about or applying for the position of to replace, you know, my boss. And, and Connie kind of like gave me the push in the direction. She's like, why are you not doing this? Like, why aren't you going to throw your hat in the ring? You know all of this. Like somebody else isn't going to know everything that you know. And, um, you know, she kind of like set me on that path and I'm like, yeah, you're right. Why shouldn't I have this job? Like I should try this. And a lot of times you, you just get, you, you sit back too much and you, you watch instead of like jumping in. So um, luckily, lucky for me, I threw my head in and like the rest has kind of, you know, changed the path of my career. But um, I think, you know, you have to be, you have to be ready um, when the opportunities pop up and be, you know, willing to take the chance. 
Isn't it amazing what that one nudge at changed the course and direction? It could have changed the course and director direction for your whole rest of your life. Hundred percent. Like that one nudge did change the course. It, it absolutely did. I still think about her, and she was just like such a trailblazer. And um, you know, back then it was much different back then than it is now. You know, it, it was just um, like a different environment. Like now, I think women are are, are more empowered to speak up and you know, step to the plate and, and feel like they could kind of, um, you know, have those opportunities. You just, it, it just wasn't like that back there 25, 25 years ago when I first started doing this stuff. But she was one of those that was like, you can do this. You should do this. You have to maybe overcome some, 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 uh, some challenges and what people think you, you're, you are good at or what you're not good at. But, um, you know, be, be that risk taker. That's what I would tell myself. Tell my daughter all the time too. Like now I know, like I groomed my daughter. Like you take all the chances you can get. Learn as much as you can learn. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, I want I just have to expand on that because I think it's so I'm so glad that you shared that. So thank you for that. Because there are people out there right now that could be mid-level, high level, and they might not be happy where they're they are and they're afraid to make that change, even though and that it could be that change they know they could feel they could taste it. It's exactly what they want, but they're afraid to make that move because they know how this works over here and over there they might not know. What is it? The the fear of when the fear of the unknown the unknown is greater than the fear of the known, you'll make your move. But that could take forever to happen. So it's you know it's creating that confidence and it doesn't some for some it comes naturally and for others they need the, that push, right? I know myself, I look to my mentors and people to pat me, you know, to touch me on the shoulder and say, maybe you should go that way. But there are times I think now that I'm getting older too, I'm like, no, 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 I, I can do this. Like, I just need to have the, um, you know, I hate to say it, but the guts to just trailblaze and go. What do you say to those people who may not have that naturally? What advice do you have for them? Because I love what you started. I think they have to look at the people around them that they admire, that um, they see as, um, you know, um, supportive of them within their network. Um, you know, I, I just didn't, I just didn't come from the kind of family that was like, you know, you, you got to do this career, have a career. Like that wasn't really where, where I came from. Um, so for Connie to be that person for me was like, oh, okay, I can do this. And so, you know, for, for, especially for, like I said, my, I reference my daughter, like my daughter, I'm like, you have to be a risk taker. You know, I had lunch with her before and I said, Hey, would you be interested if I can connect you with someone that does the kind of work that you want to do? Would you be interested in having lunch and, and learning from her? Right. So what, what can I do? Um, you know, I'm happy to talk to anybody out there that's thinking about like a jump, a shift, um, you know, what, what I've seen out there, if I can kind of point them in the right direction, give, if I work with them a long time, give them a reference, like support them. I just think like that's, isn't that what we should be doing? If for Connie helped me, I should be helping someone else kind of move forward. It's just, that's just the, the, the right thing to do, right? Support each other. Absolutely. And that is right. Lifting each other up, women lifting each other up. Does it, you know, doesn't matter which gender, just we all lift each other up. We, we do that as a community and oh my gosh, the places we could go. Two things that I'm working on in this podcast is judgment and vulnerability. And the more we can show our vulnerability with that, with less judgment that I think the further we can go and the higher we can rise in, in, in achieving our own goals. And that's the words I talk a lot about on this uh, on this podcast because people are afraid to show their vulnerability. Mm -hmm. 
same boat as you. I, I, I wouldn't be where I am now if I didn't have those great mentors who I still call on. I, I, I don't think you have to be a certain age to have a mentor. I think any age you can have a mentor. It could be somebody younger, older, different gender. It doesn't matter. It, it's just who do you aspire to? Who do you look up to? Who do you think can help you and give you that little nudge? And, and as Kathy said, she's there to support those. I'm, I'm always here to support those who are in, in need of that nudge. And, and I thank you for it. You know, I'm so glad you went in that direction, Kathy, because I think that's a really important message as we try to continue to build up the great work of the nonprofits in our communities and work with funders who are doing incredible work like yourself. And, um, and also try to give people the nudge that life is short. Do what you love. Right. Find a way to do what you love, because like you said, 18 years and you're still there because you're doing what you love. Yeah, I, I, I wish I could stay for 18 more, but I'm probably a little, a little ready to retire by then. But I love the work that I do. Like I said, the people here are awesome. It's a, it's a great place to work. It's a great organization that um, is supportive, not just of, of uh, the community and, and um, but supportive of the people that work here. So. You kind of feel it every day and it makes you want to stay. It makes you want to do good work. makes you want to get better. makes you want to get out there more. It's awesome. That's awesome. Thanks, Kathy. Any any last words before we, we go in this episode? No, just uh, if, if anything, thanks, Jody. I mean, I think these conversations are so important. I mean, they're sometimes small and, and um, short and simple, but you're, you're facing like such big challenges, right, on all of these podcasts and the other work that you do whether it's at DAC or, um, you know, NJBIA, I just think like every bit of information that you can share with people, whether it's in a podcast or a Zoom workshop or an in-person workshop, you're just making us all better. So I, I congratulate you on everything that you're doing. I just think, you know, keep at it, more of it. Oh, thanks, Kathy. I can't do it without people like yourself and who are supporting us. So I, I so appreciate you and thank you for that. And so I'm going to uh, say what I always say at the end of every single podcast, my mantra, which is today is the day you cannot go back to yesterday and you do not yet own tomorrow. So what small step or large are you going to take to get yourself closer to whatever your goals are? Kathy, thank you so much for your time today and for the great work you're doing at Ocean First Foundation. Thanks, Jody. Have a great one. You too. Bye, everybody. Have a great week. Bye.